Welcome back to The Past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hello. Sup? Welcome to episode 28, which is always great. And this reminds me of a riddle. Ooh. Oh, okay. There are 30 cows and 28 chickens. How many didn't? Didn't what? What? Did you... I think you kind did of broke I, up there. They, they didn't what? Did I stutter? There are 30 cows and 28 chickens. How many didn't? Uh, <laughs> I think my brain is broke because I don't understand. <laughs> One last time because I don't think I stuttered. There are 30 cows, 28 chickens. How many didn't? I feel like this is like Schrodinger's farm. <laughs> it's both. The answer's both. <laughs> the answer's pizza, Paul. The answer is ten. Ten? Huh? There How? were thirty cows and twenty-eight chickens. So probably ten ah, were vegetarian. I don't know. Ah, there you go. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I'm still lost. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Adam, there's 30 cows and 28 chickens. Uh, (laughs) 20 of them uh, ate chickens. I get uh, it. it. (laughs) For the record, my kids told me that, and it took me like a week. So I had to torture you guys the same way. He's he's sleeping at 2 in the morning, and he's like, it's 10! 10! But when my 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 oldest is six and he told that to his brother and his brother got it right away. And even after I knew the answer, I was still confused. And then they would just laugh and they kept repeating it over and over again. And then finally, I was like, oh, and you were right. It was about two in the morning. uh, (laughs) So I did what any responsible parent would do. I went and woke my son up and called him an idiot. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. It was a good one. He uh, he he pulled a fast one on me. Uh, I'm I'm impressed. <laughs> oh god. I was uh, too apparently. until I discovered it's actually a viral video. Oh. So it stemmed from a YouTube video and in the YouTube video it is an uh, it's a Irish family so there's an accent on it. Ooh. Ah. Which makes it even worse. <laughs> but anyway, if you missed last week's episode, you should really go back and check it out when the gang and I talked about the Back to the 90s YouTube video. You can find yes, that do. and all our past episodes at datingourselvespodcast.com, on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcasts. We really appreciate our listener support, and we'd like to share some kind words left by one of those listeners for us on iTunes. If you'd like to leave your own five-star written review on iTunes, we would definitely love to read it on air as a way to say thanks. This week's five-star review comes from S.J. Noel. 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 No. Are you the key master? <laughs> oh, wait, that's Zool. Damn. Ray. Oh, I thought you were going to finish the quote. 
Oh, I find I'll I'll finish the quote. <laughs> Ray, if somebody asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast you have is fantastic. So much nostalgia, not only from the topics, but just listening to you guys. Well, I hope you're impressed, S.J. Noel, because there's a lot of that today. <laughs> thank you well, so much. Well, thank you, S.J. Noel. Five-star reviews are always encouraged, and be sure to tell your friends about the Dating Ourselves podcast. That's right. We're going to get started here, folks. Let's, uh, let's talk some Unreal Tournament. I like it. Let's talk about Unreal Tournament. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Unreal Tournament was pretty fun. Um, I actually didn't realize that it was the sequel to Unreal, though. Yeah, yeah. I I never knew that either. I had read, some, in preparing for this, I had read something online that the development started as an expansion, and then uh, it was, they just decided to release it as its own game. Yeah, I, and I had never realized that, because... Um, I was only familiar with this and there's so many sequels to unreal tournament as well. There's like three or four mm -hmm. of them at this point. So yep. it's kind of like alien followed by aliens or Rambo, I guess is a better example because everyone knows alien came first, but like Rambo is actually first blood two. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then there's Rambo three, which doesn't make any sense, but um, <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of, it had really struck me as odd that I had, never really heard of unreal the original game until until doing research about this so mm -hmm. i remember playing it i absolutely loved the first unreal and it was the first um it was the first not dos game that i remember or dos based game that i remember playing i want to say i played it on windows 98 Nice. That'd be about and, the right timeline, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I want to say it was like paired with Windows 98 and uh it was it was the original was single player and you were a prisoner on a prison planet or you're on a prison transport and you were trying to escape. And uh, I can't remember the it was he was only identified by his number. It was like prisoner 849 or something like that. You are number 6. <laughs> Anybody? I'm not a number. I'm a free man. <laughs> <laughs> Random Iron Maiden reference. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, we will pick up next week's topic at the end of the episode. It will be Nostalgia Combat! Combat! Nostalgia Wombat for a return. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be me and the Fab Five and Russian Five versus Paul and the Rugrats. This is going to be, a, I mean, weird. I, I got to face basically Paul and a bunch of little kids, so that'll be interesting. Uh, but we'll also visit our old friend, the Hopper of Imagination. Get down, get in the Hopper. There we go. That's what I was waiting for. To get another topic for Brian. So Brian, tell us about Unreal Tournament. Right, so Unreal Tournament, like we kind of just discussed, was the sequel to the video game Unreal. It is a first-person shooter. It was originally released on Windows in November of 1999, and then uh, then it was released on a bunch of other platforms. Uh, it was released on the Mac in January of 2000, PS2 uh, later in October of 2000, and then even on the Sega Dreamcast. 
um, oh. on uh, March in March of 2001. So just like everything with the Dreamcast, always a little bit behind everybody else, unfortunately. <laughs> as great I never realized as the- that. Because I, I knew Unreal Championship came out, but I never realized that it had a Sega release for the classic Unreal. Or a classic Unreal tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I hadn't either. I, I don't think I've ever played a Dreamcast. I, I remember playing the Saturn quite a bit. And obviously I oh, owned yeah. a Genesis and played the hell out of that. But um, yeah, I, I was never really familiar with the Dreamcast or what things it had. I recently listened to a a Wandry podcast uh, called Business Wars, and it's the story. This particular one was the story between Nintendo and Sony, and they talked about Sega and kind of their difficulties with both the Saturn and the Dreamcast, basically trying to cut corners and cut costs, and it ended up really impacting a lot of that makes sense. A lot yeah. of that shit. I mean, I mean, it makes sense because I I remember those not being like they're very popular with. Uh, people from that era, but I remember them not being very critically acclaimed systems. Like, yeah, I don't think they ever quite lived up to like the Sega Genesis, or by that time is when you started getting into the PlayStation era. And so, yeah, you, know, you had that to compete with if you were going for a system that had CDs as opposed to cartridges. And I think you could easily make the argument that the uh, PlayStation was the far superior system oh, to the, the Dreamcast or the uh, what was the other one called again? The Saturn. The, the Saturn. Saturn. Yeah. See, yeah. I don't know because, and to go way off topic, because with the Genesis they had the Sega CD and it never really caught on here in the States but the actual Genesis had the equivalent computing power of the uh, of the PlayStation. If you had the Sega CD it had the capability but it just didn't have the market share. Yeah. Right. Right. It was a so great think, idea because you could keep the same console and upgrade it. It just it didn't never really fully caught on. Right, and I think that that's what hurt it. If if the Sega CD would have been released here in in mass in the United States, I think you could make the argument that they're pretty comparable. But I don't think you could make that same argument with the Dreamcast or the Saturn. No. Even the, though I know, yeah. I, especially the Dreamcast, I know was super popular. But I never really thought it lived up to the other systems of that that generation. They, I think they blame piracy for killing it because they rushed it to market and it had no copyright mm. protection. And so you could actually copy all the games. And this was at the birth of the CD, you know, the home CD writer. Yep. And I, yep. I, I never oh, owned yeah. a Dreamcast, but everybody I knew that had one maybe owned one game. And then everything else was, you know, the CD binders we all had in our cars just filled with yep. games. Yep. Go to, go down to uh, like Ion Video, block, Blockbuster, or Ion Video, or Family Video. Go pick up a game and burn it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I guess at this point too, like I said, um, Unreal Tournament was released for the Dreamcast in uh, early two thousand one, and by late two thousand one is also when the Xbox got released too. So you yep. had another yep. huge contender in that space in terms of. Just unprecedented computing power, memory, graphics, and then all the other experiences that you get, you know, with Xbox right. Live and everything like that, that just you just couldn't compete on the Sega. Right. But anyway, um, <laughs> let's try and get this uh, this pony back on the trail. Um, so 
Unreal Tournament was developed by Epic Games and Digital Extremes. They they kind of partnered on on the development of of the game. They also worked together on the original game, which is Unreal. And as Paul kind of mentioned earlier, this was originally developed as an expansion to Unreal, um, and it was mainly focused on multiplayer action. There was a single player version, but it was very different from like Halo or GoldenEye or Doom or anything like that, where you're like a single person going through some type of maze, completing certain types of objectives and otherwise shooting the shit out of people or demons or aliens or whatever. It was based on kind of a tournament where you would be killing other competitors. So it was always kind of in a deathmatch setting, even in the single player mode. The the kind of concept behind like the plot or the storyline was almost kind of like a purge esque story. So absolutely, like, yeah. Ba- basically, it was like murder was condoned uh, in in the twenty two hundreds or whatever, uh, and so they consensual like, start- murder. By the way, consensual <laughs> murder. <laughs> yes. And so uh, they... they uh, <laughs> no means no. <laughs> Especially with murder. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So uh, like basically the concept was that they started to uh, like basically televise these tournaments where the, the people would uh, be put into these deathmatch type situations against each other. Yeah. So it's a little bit like The Purge and a little bit like Hunger Games, sort of. Because it was yeah, kind of a yep. competitive sport. So it's not so much bedlam anarchy you know pandemonium so much as it is um because i guess that's kind of similar to hunger games really because it was all about this giant war that between two different races it was the humans and uh, does anyone else know how to pronounce this one the scrodge or how do you say that i I think it's scourge 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 and during that time they had to you know just like in any major conflict, like World War II, for example, comes to mind, you have a lot of people working in industrial production and mining and those types of things and uh, to get the natural resources to support the efforts. And apparently there's a lot of unrest and animosity with those factions. And that was kind of their solution. It's like, well, if you guys are just pissed off all the time, why don't we just make it legal for you to kill each other? But we'll do it in an arena. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we're now we're combining uh, the Purge, Hunger Games, and Gladiator. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are you not entertained? <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of my understanding as well. Is that in the 2200s it became legal, and then in like the 2300s, um, the tournament was a professional sport, and it was actually out earning any of the other industrial trades that had once been profitable yeah like mining and all that it it was out profiting all of them yeah 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 so kind of a cool thing with this game the original unreal was only on pcs and macs there was no console version so this was kind of groundbreaking although i don't know anyone who seriously played unreal tournament on a PS2 and definitely not on a Dreamcast. Most people yeah. I knew played it on, on their PCs. But um, just to kind of give you some understanding of what a big deal this game was, and people often will say that a sequel will never live up to the original. And I think this is definitely an exception to that rule. The critical acclaim that it received, especially on the PC and the Mac, 
Uh, Metacritic gave it a 92 out of 100. GameFan gave it a 95 wow. out of 100. Uh, GamePro always did a, f- a five-point scale, and they gave it a 4.5 out of five, which is basically a 90 out of 100 again. And then different awards that it won. It, it was nominated for dozens of awards and won at least at least a dozen, including Game of the Year from Computer Gaming World. Uh, yep. GameSpot gave it Game of the Year for a reader's choice. And Macworld said it was the best network shooter for the Mac. I mean, there was these are some pretty substantial um, accolades to have earned for the for second the record, in the series. As someone Absolutely. that owned a Mac, the only two shooters that I have ever been aware that were in this era for the Mac were Star Wars Dark Forces and this yep. game. Really? There was yep. no uh, no Half-Life uh, Mac version? Half-Life came later. Not much uh-huh. later, but it was later. And, I, guess, um, I guess that's probably Half-Life true. Half-Life Deathmatch was technically a mod to Half-Life. It didn't become a full game until like 2000, 2001. That's true. Oh, that's okay. true. And then you get your, your Team Fortress and all of that stuff after that. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And your Counter-Strike. Can't yep. forget Counter-Strike. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, you talk about the critical acclaim of this particular game. And one of the things that I know I liked about the game so much was the engine that ran the yes. whole thing worked beautifully. And the the, uh, the that, I think you can engine, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the the un, they call it the Unreal Engine, uh, and it's still around today. They're up to what four now? I think Paul? so. Yes, Unreal yeah. Four is current, and until Fortnite. Unreal, the engine itself was, I think, their highest selling commodity because they allow other game developers to use it and develop with it for free. But then if you're going to use it in a game release, you have to license it from them. And I believe that is their, up until Fortnite, I believe that was their main source of income. And and on this original engine, there's some really big games that utilized that. So Rune, for example, is a big one. Uh, mm-hmm. Duke Nukem Forever used it, yep. and uh, who could forget Disney's Brother Bear? I mean, that. Oh, <laughs> oh man! Well, and, and there's popular games all the time today that still use it. Like I know for a fact that the Batman Arkham series, um, at least up to a yep. certain point, if not through the whole series, uh, used the Unreal Engine. And if you've ever played that, that is one of the most beautifully done games. Like overall, the the controls the graphics the whole like the you know the movement and everything in it was so amazing and it was all based around that same engine from you know a game that came out almost 20 years ago yeah it's crazy well, one of the greatest things, uh, the other thing is, I mean, the engine is amazing, but what, uh, at the time this game released, the biggest, the closest competitor I can think of to it was Quake 2. Yeah. And the one, the what really set Unreal apart from Quake 2 was the AI. So playing games online in 1999 was a bitch. <laughs> if you were lucky enough to have internet, it didn't work reliably. There were issues. Um, right. <laughs> in Counter-Strike, when you used to play, you would always see on the server tags, it would say no flashlights. Because if you turn the flashlight on in the game, it would make the CPU cycle boost and then uh, your internet connection would drop. 
So they would always say all the servers would ban flashlight use in Counter-Strike. But anyway, what made this game really cool is it had amazing AI. The AI mm-hmm. actually felt like you were playing against other players. So you could play multiplayer even though you were only playing by yourself. But you had that illusion that you were playing with real people. And right. Quake, Quake had that as well, but Quake 2's, they were still focused on more of a Doom-esque single-player storyline at that point, and the multiplayer was just kind of there. It wasn't until Quake Arena that they were trying to catch up to Unreal, and by that point, Unreal was unreal. It was way above the rest. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's definitely a a very accurate uh, statement for sure. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, It's kind of crazy when you start looking at some of these things and then you start looking at the games that followed that not even the ones that used the engine but you you can't tell me when you look at this and then you look at something like i don't know halo that there's not at least a little bit of commonality a little bit of influence that's been drawn from unreal tournament oh, absolutely in, in, into the into their gameplay i mean all the different space levels all the different like types of weapons the way that you cycle through them there's a lot of similarities yeah, I really think you could make a argument that, on, like, you know, we, we've talked before on this show about uh, GoldenEye being the kind of first multiplayer uh, deathmatch uh, that we really remember playing, other than, what was the one you mentioned on that episode, Paul? Doom. Yeah, Doom, so yeah. you could do that, but that was like over, you either had to do it over a LAN or you had to have, like, a supercomputer. Yeah. Right. N- named so, Hal. Like, <laughs> so. Like, whereas uh, Goldeneye kind of created the idea of a deathmatch and kind of set up the expectations of what it would be, I think Unreal Tournament really had a large role in defining what that genre looks like today. I I agree full-heartedly. I honestly, in fact, one of my notes I was actually going to say is that I feel like Unreal is the the evolutionary step going from the GoldenEye multiplayer to, mm-hmm. you know, what multiplayer is today. And the, the quickest example I can come up with is almost every arena style shooter has a kill streak and yep. they invented that. And like when you're playing Halo, you get five kills in a row, you get the killtacular. Well, you know, five years before Halo, Halo, we had, you know, the kill, the double kill, the mega kill. Ultra kill, monster kill, <laughs> and then if you were playing with the mod sound pack, it was oh hell no. <laughs> <laughs> and Unreal, well, I mean, Unreal is the first game I can remember that had game modes to it as well. I mean, you had your traditional deathmatch, your team deathmatch, but it's the first game that I remember capture the flag in the same format that you see it in games today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And I think kind of going back to what we were talking about with Doom kind of being the genesis of playing multiplayer first-person shooter games and how far we've come from that. And you can even look at the newest Doom that came out, what was that, two years ago? Yeah. And how much that doesn't look at all like a Doom game. It actually looks a lot more like an Unreal Tournament game that just happens to have demons in it. Yeah, yep. Yep. So it's kind here, of amazing. Here's my question. When did Unreal Tournament introduce loot boxes or loot crates? Because, <laughs> no, it was a joke. 
Yeah, I, I was trying to come up with a witty witty answer. And I blame Team Fortress 2 for loot crates, 100%. Ugh. Where you pick up the crates and then they make you buy the keys from the marketplace. But that is a rant for another episode. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Special episode, me and Paul just bitch like old men for an hour about loot crates. <laughs> Brian stands back and... Uh... <laughs> Files his nails. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we talked a lot about the story of this game. I mean, what story there is, basically. We talked a lot about the accolades and the different platforms it was on. But the actual gameplay itself, we haven't really talked a ton about. So, right. so there was a single player, but it was based like arena-style matches. So... You live in a society in 2341 where it's not only legal to kill people, but people are paying to spectate that sport. And as the we goal, do. yeah, as you do. <laughs> and the goal is to eventually kill as many people as you can through multiple tournaments, through multiple rounds of tournaments, to eventually face this guy named Zan. Is that how you say it? I honestly sure. don't remember. It's X-A-N. I don't know how else you would say it. Zan, Chan, I'm not sure. but um, Exxon. <laughs> it's, it's Exxon, yeah. You're going up against big oil. <laughs> <laughs> I knew uh, it. It's always big oil. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of the main focus in the single player. But most people kind of like Halo and kind of like GoldenEye and kind of like a lot of the other you know, first-person shooters, the main true focus of the game was the multiplayer aspect um do you guys have any good stories about uh matches that you've played on on the original unreal tournament and you know crazy things you've seen yeah actually uh probably i think it actually might have been my first true LAN experience like local area network uh experience uh, we had a, a common friend in high school, a uh, guy I acted in theater with. And and by, he, by common, he means that, you know, he was a street urchin. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he lived just down the road from us, uh, down, uh, probably about two miles away from us. And the area he lived in had like a community center that you could rent out. And so he told me uh, one day, hey... Uh, you know, we're we're throwing together a LAN party that we're going to ha- host at this place. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I don't really have a setup or anything. Because at the time, we just had, like, a basic computer. The family and, computer that, you know, it, always ran slow as shit. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> had yep, to be in the yep. center of the... Had to be in the center of the house. Oh, yeah. You guys know where that computer is. You've both been to my house. You know exactly where that computer's at. You it's guys still, still use there. the same one? <laughs> My God! <laughs> no, we finally upgraded. <laughs> it's, it's not, not a Packard Bell anymore. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's a sketch so, now. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It, it probably has the computing power of an etch a sketch. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so anyway, so uh, he goes. Well, don't worry about it. You know, we have some extras. We'll we'll bring one for you. And so uh, we we set up in the basement. There was like a rec room of this uh, like rec center place. And they had these big tables, like the long eight by, you know, eight by two or eight by three tables 
that you could set up on. We set up all these computers, had this huge network set up, and there was probably about 12 of us or so down in the basement of this place playing uh, Unreal Tournament uh, on there. And, like, I remember it being a great time, but I remember the, the map that we... I, like, I had tears running down my face. We were laughing so hard. They had a... I guess you would describe it as a... Um, op- like a D-Day-esque map where you basically had half of your group spawned in the middle of the water and had to rush the beach and then the other half was up in the um, turrets, uh, the the two big turrets on the uh, either side of the map and I remember that <laughs> me and uh, my friend our, our friend spawned in the exact same turret and before we could even do anything we looked down and there was so much gunfire you couldn't even see the ground it was just a hail of bullets <laughs> crossing the map and we just started laughing hysterically because you know it's like one in the morning at this point and we're just laughing because like it's this is so absurd there's so many bullets flying around this map so we just sat up there and watched as uh, this whole thing unfolded and then we finally got involved in the match and uh, it was a it was a really cool map, but I that was like my favorite memory of the game was just seeing this load up and then the ground just disappeared in a hail of bullets. <laughs> it was like in uh, three hundred when they're uh, when they shoot all the arrows and block out the sun. It was essentially the same thing. I oh, used yeah. to hate that when everybody would start with a minigun, which is yeah. you know like it it's. You know, it's it's like a Gatling gun, but it's handheld, and you'd get five people with the minigun, and it's just utter chaos and bodies <laughs> everywhere, and you're spawning and dying. And for for those of you that don't know what a minigun is, think uh, Terminator Two when he's up in the uh, the uh, building and he's got that gigantic gun that has like what something like twenty barrels on it or something, and it just yes. keeps spinning. Yeah, so you'd get like. A dozen people with that it would make for some interesting times for sure (laughs) (laughs) i have to say my my first stories of unreal are very similar to yours we didn't have great internet um i only had a 28k modem at this point in time wow it wasn't until counter-strike came out that we had a 56k in the house but i did in the world (laughs) but i did have my own computer because my parents always worked in technology and i got hand-me-downs so (laughs) i had a full tower and so when you think of a standard desktop today what you're actually seeing is the that is actually the mini form factor and then the ones that you would set next to your tv today those are the micro form factor they actually still make full towers. The full ATX tower is still a standard. But my computer probably sat about three feet. <laughs> and I wow. think, and I used that case until it, it didn't go under a desk. It sat beside the desk and you could set your drink on it. <laughs> and I used that case across like five computer builds. In fact, it wasn't until this past year that I finally actually parted with it because I couldn't get a motherboard to fit in it anymore. But Was that the one that uh, you had outside next year? You were like going to give it to a friend or something? Yep. 
Yeah, I remember that thing. That was a beast. Holy cow. <laughs> I can't believe that lasted that long. I mean, well, it makes I mean, sense. it was just the case. The computer had yeah. been rebuilt many times, but the case lasted forever cuz you know, yeah. that was back when they were steel. Yeah, but, yeah, I think that was true. like weapons grade steel that it was. <laughs> I used to have uh, what I referred to as my LAN party bag, which contained a keyboard, a mouse, a very long crossover cable because I could not uh, afford multiple Ethernet cables or a switch. So if you don't know what a crossover cable is, if you don't have a router or a switch to plug cables into, you make a crossover, which allows one computer to talk directly to another computer. So you're not getting any more. It's (laughs) (laughs) one-to-one. And I would carry my computer by hand down 56th Street all the way to 56th and Byron Center from my house. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Which, gosh. for people who are listening, this is, I'm going to say this is probably, what, five miles? Yeah, um, yeah, it's from, like, give from or take. 56, yeah. 56th and what was the starting point? So I was going from Wilson to 56th and Byron Center. Yeah, I mean, that's at least, at least three. I'd say, I'd say so, three to four, yeah. So on one shoulder, I had my tower. On the other shoulder, I had... Um, <laughs> My, my my CRT monitor. I had a 19 inch oh. monitor. Oh, and those 32 bit color man, 800 by 600. Those things weren't light either. And then I had my backpack land bag, and I was the most buff teenager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, no joke. We have a. I, I'm actually sitting to the left of a CRT TV. Now, I would venture to say that the screen is probably 35 inches, you know, back back when that was a big TV, Uh, but like a 35-inch TV. So think about that in today's terms. Uh, Like, I have a 40-inch TV uh, sitting over here, too, and that thing probably weighs about 5 to 10 pounds tops. Yeah, the, the flat screens. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the flat screen. This... TV, the CRT TV next to me will never move out of our basement ever again. It's <laughs> yeah, going that's, that's to... a four person lift for sure. And, oh, seriously, it took and... us, it took us three people just to get it down a flight of stairs. A, a friend, friend of all of ours, and myself and my dad had to line up two by four runners on the stairs, and we basically slid it down the stairs. Very slowly, it will never go upstairs again. <laughs> yeah, I uh, when I first moved out to the DC area, I inherited a TV from my dad. Not like he didn't pass or anything. He just it was a hand me down. <laughs> but it was uh, it's it's gigantic. It's it's one of those old cone TVs, and it's a floor model, so it's got casters on the bottom because it's so big. <laughs> I want to say it's like a fifty six inch. Um, that was definitely a team lift. We took it all the way from Michigan, all the way out to Virginia, where I was staying with my in-laws. And then we moved it to our first apartment in Maryland. And then we couldn't hook it up to anything. There's no USB on there. There's no HDMI on there. There's no, I don't think there's any VGA. There's there's none of, none of that stuff was on there. It was all like the coax and the RCA three-color jacks. And that was it. So if we wanted to get an Apple TV or a Chromecast, it's like, all right, well, let's go to Costco. Let's get a flat screen. So we ended up having to move the TV back to my in-laws because nobody wanted to buy it. Um, And me and a friend moved it and moved it down the stairs into their basement. 
and I tripped down the stairs and put my head through their drywall. (laughs) (laughs) And you survived. That's the most impressive part of that story. I I was lucky because the TV was so big. It got pinned between, like, on the landing and a stair. It got pinned between the two. But all, like, the wood laminate, like, the veneer that's on the side of it all got peeled up on that side. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That TV, though, we were not allowed to play video games on because my dad was absolutely convinced that it would ruin the TV. It would. Um, It burns in on the menu. And that's the thing is, like, if you're playing a game like Pong or Frogger or Pac-Man where it's one lock screen with a few moving parts, it absolutely does ruin them. But, Mm -hmm. uh... But we were playing, you know, GoldenEye and Wave Race and all of that <laughs> stuff. And that's something you'd have to do, like, during a snow day. You'd run all the stuff down at, like, 4 o'clock. Like, shit, Dad's going to be home in an hour. you got to run everything back upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I, I definitely can vouch for how big that TV was because I was the one that helped him get it on the the back of the u-haul yeah (laughs) yeah yeah me and me and brian were the ones that got tasked with putting that big boy on the back of that u-haul that (laughs) i i think that's about the most tired i've ever been after lifting one object (laughs) because at least with the at least with our tv that we have uh in the room i'm in right now at least we slid that down me and Brian had to like actually lift and carry that thing. <laughs> yeah, we did not opt for the model that had the ramp on it. So <laughs> it's like we're traveling oh. almost like seven hundred miles. Like we can't, we can't, you know, pay for all that crap. And it's like, well, maybe we should have splurged a little bit to get a ramp. <laughs> May not have been the worst. Oh, fifty dollars for a ramp? We can't. No, no, no. We're not doing that. <laughs> you guys can. You guys can lift it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> going back to Unreal for a moment. Um, so the biggest when we, when we actually did get set up, the biggest the first map I should say that I played that was almost life altering for me was uh, there's a map called Facing Worlds, which is like it's an asteroid in space and it's very small and it you can see the Earth in the background and it's like a wishbone shape. And there are two buildings on either side of it. And it is the pinnacle capture the flag map. Mm. And mm-hmm. um, that map with the sniper rifle w- is still the most amazing. In fact, uh, Zoom In TV ranked it as uh, the number one uh, greatest multiplayer map of all time. Number wow. one for CTF. And it even outranked Dust 2 on Counter-Strike. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. But when you would get that sniper rifle and you would be sitting in the tower and you could see the people because it's a wishbone with two. There's only two tracks and you could see both of them. And if there, you know, there's only two sniper rifles, one on each side. And if someone's got that sniper rifle, if you got a good sniper, you got the game in lock. And the greatest thing about Unreal, when you shot him in the head, not only did uh, you go, it'd yell kill, but their head would explode and a blood trail would shoot up. <laughs> <laughs> now, isn't that called a insta-gib or is that something else? Yes. Nope, you're correct. That is the, the sniper rifle is the insta-gib. Yeah, because well, it's kind of like... Well, the insta-gib is the modded sniper rifle that does the one-hit kill. But yeah, that's the same thing. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's like a golded gun, but with uh, with a zoom function. Yep. <laughs> That's scary. That's really scary. Um, isn't that what, what, the, what was that in Perfect Dark? The Far Sight is that what they called it? I think so. That sounds right. It's been a while since I played that. Yeah. 
But I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the capture the flag, Paul, because there's actually a bunch of different um, gameplay styles of the game. So capture the flag was definitely a popular one, and that's pretty self-explanatory. That's just like gym class. There's two teams. Each of them have a base that has a flag, and the goal is to go into enemy territory, take their flag, and bring it back to your base. Um, but there is also assault, which is probably similar to what Adam was describing with the D-Day scenario. Yep. Where there's a team that holds a base and there's another team that's trying to raid that base. And the goal is to defend your turf if you're the defenders and to assault the, you know, the fortress if, if you're the assaulting team. Yep. Um, there's domination, which is kind of like a Warhammer type style where you have different objectives that need to be held for certain amounts of time. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. That's last still a pretty common one. Like yeah. there's still domination in pretty much every multiplayer. Yeah. Then there's last man standing, which kind of flips your whole like priorities on their head because instead of just trying to kill as many people as possible, you're now trying to stay alive as long as possible because um, you only have a set number of lives. And then there's the traditional death match, which is like a battle royale where everyone's out for themselves. And then there's a team death match, which is, you know, everyone's out for themselves, but everyone's split up into different factions. I think that's all of the game plays Um, it is and what was unique about the team and i honestly don't remember if this was introduced in a later one or if it was in the first one but what i loved about the teams is you could have more than two teams oh really oh yeah yeah so you could have three you could have three teams so you could you know before duels was a thing you could do duels by assigning the teams a different color oh okay yeah so any uh any last thoughts about unreal tournament i feel like we've done a, a fairly decent job about going through at least and talking about what the game was what it kind of meant to the first person shooting world and the evolution of that of that type of game um but yeah any other personal stories you guys have with it no i mean no personal stories i just i would say that this game was really influential in you know the like you said the evolution of what uh, multiplayer first-person shooter gaming is today you know for yeah for better or for worse you know loot boxes and <laughs> definitely and, and PUBG and all that crap now but so yeah, I, at least i thought you were gonna say it was really influential for you deciding to become a prize fighter so <laughs> yes uh, i mean that, that's what i do on the side i'm, I'm a prize fighter <laughs> gotta get that money somehow that's right <laughs> by shooting people in the arena <laughs> the only thing that i'll quick mention is a big part of unreal for me because i played it mostly offline or on a local area network is it was a really big deal when you did get online to post in the forums about your experiences and one of the things that I remember all the time is there would be trolls in the forums that would do like the worst jokes and uh, popular jokes. You know, we always had the your mom is so fat or uh, blonde jokes. Those were just in the 90s. That type of stuff was stupid popular. And I remember there oh, yeah. was always the, um, you know, you play too much UT if. And uh, <laughs> some of my favorites were if you always look up while in an elevator because <laughs> that was a big part of the game because the elevators never had caps so you'd be going up the elevator and people would be at the top shooting down at you <laughs> um if you hear rockets loading while you're in an anytime you're in an empty corridor <laughs> <laughs> or if you, if you have to constantly correct yourself because you type t in front of every message in chat because <laughs> that was the talk key to do in-game chat <laughs> 
That's hilarious. Um, Unreal 4, it it doesn't actually have a name, they're just back to calling it Unreal Tournament, but I think chronologically it would be Unreal 4, uh, just released officially last year, although it's still considered beta, and its purpose now is just to showcase the Unreal Engine, and anybody can grab it and play it for free off of Epic Games' website. No kidding. That's awesome. So, and it works for Windows and Mac. I don't know how beefy of a computer you need to play it, but I can tell you that it works beautifully, and they've done a really good job to bring back the old-style gameplay. But it is kind of like a commercial for the Unreal Engine, because they're really just developing it to showcase what people can do with the Unreal Engine. So it's kind of like their commercial, and because of that, they're giving it away for free. That's awesome. So I highly encourage you to go check it out. It makes sense, though. I mean, if they're... If their main venture now is selling the licensing deals for other companies to be able to sell their games with the Unreal Engine, what better way than to showcase everything and have it, you know, oh, readily readily available? That's brilliant. Well, I marketing. think it's become second now that Fortnite is a billion dollar industry. Is Fortnite part of them? Yeah, Epic Games developed Fortnite. Oh, okay. That so makes I sense. think everything is taking a backdoor to Fortnite for the time being. Oh, so <laughs> they are the reason that, like, ugh, stupid loot crates. <laughs> Season pass. Get, a, get, a, get off my lawn, Epic Games. <laughs> How about you, Brian? Any final thoughts? Uh, no, nothing really. Um, I actually never really had a lot of uh, exposure to this game. It wasn't until I got to college that I, and I didn't even really play that much, but I had roommates that were really into this and Counter-Strike and TF2. There's a whole lot of stories to be told there probably on another episode. <laughs> um, and, but the very first LAN party I ever attended was on accident. Uh, <laughs> my, one of Accidental my roommates, LAN party. Yeah, one of my roommates set up a LAN party in our apartment and never told anybody. And uh, I came home after class one day, you know, it's about three thirty, four o'clock on a Friday. I see through the window, there's like someone sitting on our couch and looks kind of familiar, but can't really place them. And I was like, huh, I wonder what's going on. And I walk in and there's like eight guys in our living room, all with their like computers, all, all decked up and set out. And uh, yeah, they were... Uh, <laughs> It was definitely unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, working for college, I work with a lot of younger people, and I actually was invited to a LAN party this past weekend, <laughs> and I decided to make an appearance because I get invited all the time and I never go. So I was like, I'll just show up for, like, you know, a couple hours, play some games, and then I can say I made it to one. And I show up, and there's a big, long table set up in this living room, and there's, you know, four computers on each side, and everybody's wearing headphones, and nobody is talking to each other. <laughs> wow. And I sit down, and I was like, okay, I'm, you know, getting my stuff set up, I'm hopping in the game, and then they're like, oh, and you go here to join Discord. And I'm like, I'm sitting next to you, why the hell do I need to join a voice chat? And he's like, well, I'm wearing my headphones, I need to be able to hear you. I'm like, Interesting. Interesting. I'm like, wow, like... 
you can't just like lift an ear. Anyway, that's my, you know, way <laughs> off topic story, but oh, it just, God, it struck old. me as completely like, really? I have to join a voice chat when I'm sitting a foot from you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember they had like their towers on TV trays and things like that. Cause we only had so much furniture in our college yep. apartment and it's just like, Man, that's going to give out at any minute, and that's going to really <laughs> piss you off. <laughs> Many dents in the floor from TV trays giving way under the weight of CRT monitors. <laughs> Speaking of, of which, I feel like one of the most famous pictures in all of gaming history is from a LAN party back in, like, must have been the 90s or something, maybe early 2000s. But they like there's all these guys playing uh, their games at like a table and, uh, and the some guys other duct taped to the ceiling. And then there's a guy duct taped to the <laughs> ceiling. <That's, laughs> he he like basically made himself a duct tape hammock in which he could suspend himself from the ceiling because there was no seating left. So he had his <laughs> uh, he had his uh, rig beefed up like basically held up on like some sort of cabinet or something and the only way for him to reach it comfortably was to suspend himself from the ceiling (laughs) i will agree with you that was on the forums all over the place that is probably the most famous land party photo from the 90s i will find it and i will share it on our facebook yes i like it i like it well i guess that wraps up our discussion on in real tournament um now moving on to Nostalgia Combat! Nostalgia Combat! Yes, I have devised a trivia question for my co-host to answer. Whoever is closest will get to lead their chat next week. It's Paul with his Rugrats and Adam with both the Fab Five and the Russian Five. Are you guys ready? Ready. Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. A traditional rock band lineup is usually comprised of some combination of singers, guitarists, bassists, and a drummer behind a conventional drum set. Iowa metal band Slipknot had all of that plus more. How many other members did they have that were not singers, guitarists, bassists, or conventional drummers on a drum set? Uh, Paul, you go ahead but first. The, I'm the, doing a little calculation. Yeah, the, the not <laughs> musically inclined guy. I only have to <laughs> yeah, come up with a I'm number, right? Guy. I don't have to remember what they were doing. No. Nope, nope. I'm gonna go- I wrote it down just for fun, though, but you don't need to know. Uh, I... Uh, I'm going to go with two. Deuce. Deuce. Uh, I want to say it's... I want to say it's seven. Total or additional? Okay. Additional. Seven additional. seven total would be the same answer as me, so I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul is actually closer on this one by one. Uh, the correct answer is four. So they had oh. so they had Sid Wilson, who went by the number zero. He was turntables. Chris Fenn, who went by the number three. He was custom percussion. Craig Jones, who goes by five. He was samples and media. 
And then Sean Clown Cran, who goes by six, he was also custom percussion. So nine members total, four of which played unconventional rock instruments. Um, just for fun, the tiebreaker would have been Slipknot lead vocalist also fronts another band called Stone Sour. What is his name? Corey Taylor. It is Corey Taylor. I feel this was so, a loaded why question did you because ask that I don't question? know that I've ever listened to a Slipknot song. <laughs> I, I, I'll admit, I, I've listened to a little bit of uh, Slipknot, but I like Stone Sour a lot better than I do uh, yeah, Slipknot. You, you can ask Boromir. One does not just listen to Slipknot. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's an experience, for sure. <laughs> yes, that's true. I, I do know that the big thing with... Uh, with, with them for a long time was their original drummer jo- joey jordanson was like unbelievable and he didn't he have like a rig that he like went upside down in or was suspended in the middle of the air or something like that yeah i mean he was ex- extremely good and yeah I feel like, yeah, he had some type of Tommy Lee rig, yeah, where he was able to do all sorts of crazy crap. And I remember there was, like, pyrotechnics and all of that stuff. Yeah, I don't think he plays with Slipknot, though, anymore. I'm not sure. No, he doesn't. He um, ended up with, like, some debilitating back issue, like a degenerative disease or something like that. So I don't think he's actually playing the drums anymore. That's too bad. See, I had an ICP hoodie and a Slipknot hoodie, and both of those were for show. So that I could blend into the crowd at wherever I needed to be. But social chameleon. I did listen to a lot of ICP though at a point in time, but I never really considered myself a fan. It was just the popular thing to do. Oh, whatever, Paul. You know that you were at a. Um, he was a juggalo. A, a meeting of the juggalos. I have been to Juggalo Championship Wrestling. Oh my god. Let goodness. me tell you, that, that is an experience. <laughs> Oh, there gosh. you have it. I am your winner. I will be guiding us through the land of Rugrats next time. The loser, Woo! Adam, still has the Fab Five Ooh. versus Russian Five in his pocket. And now we will visit the Hopper of Imagination to get Brian a new topic. Oh. Get down, get in the hopper. <laughs> get down, get in the hopper. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, we want to remind all of our listeners that if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss... You can submit those on our website, datingourselvespodcast.com. All right. I'm going to operate the hopper of imagination now. All right. I have picked my topics. So, Brian, you have three categories with which you can choose from this evening we have tv series music artist or shared life experience oh my goodness um we've not done music artist or shared life experience in a while i feel i'd agree with that um let's go with a shared life experience that might be fun all right so this is going to bring us back to uh, something we've already touched on a little bit. So, Brian, your topic is water parks. Ooh, Ooh water parks. All right. That's yeah. pretty exciting. I thought for sure you were going to say land parties. Oh, my gosh. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> oh. What are the chances? Oh, man. Well, wonderful. So 
you guys will definitely have to check in with us next time when Paul will be discussing Nickelodeon cartoon series, The Rugrats. And then in future episodes, I may be discussing water parks and Adam will be discussing the Fab Five and the Russian Five. Thanks again. What about for... the Jackson Five? <laughs> <laughs> well, you tell us. You're the expert. Slaughterhouse Five is in there too. I mean, there's a whole bunch. <laughs> yes, we're going all the fives next time, baby. <laughs> yep, yep. It's five o'clock somewhere. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll save Paul the embarrassment of bringing up Party of Five again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks again, guys, for joining us on Dating Ourselves. And if you like what you heard, there's always more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us submissions at datingourselvespodcast at aol.com. We've got mail. Yay. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. We post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us there at datingourselvespodcast. And we're also on Twitter from time to time at datedpodcast. And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dating. Later, guys. See ya. Ta-ta.